You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. We are so stoked that you're here. And today, it's a non-skip episode. I don't care who you are, but especially if you're a mom or a wannabe mom, you are not allowed to skip this episode. Absolutely mandatory. It is mandatory. (laughs) You have to glue it to your earbuds and listen. Like, yeah, that didn't make any sense, but you get it. Um, we had our dear friend, Abby, on the show. She is one of our favorite people ever. We have read her books and we are obsessed yeah. uh, just with her worldview, her mission, everything. So she is absolutely incredible. And today's conversation was life-changing. Yeah, so if you don't know, Abby Halberstadt is a happy wife, a homeschooling mama to 10, best-selling author, speaker, fitness instructor, and business owner. But more importantly, she is a Bible-believing Christian who seeks to honor God, whether she is wiping a bottom... <laughs> Meeting a writing deadline, teaching a reading lesson, making lasagna, or doing a deadlift, a goal at which she fails daily, but praise God for grace. (laughs) She loves to encourage women, especially mothers, that they can dig deep in God's strength to meet the everyday challenges of a life lived with intention because hard is not the same thing as bad. She, her husband, Sean, and their children live in the piney woods of East Texas. And let me tell you, this woman brings it today. Oh my gosh. You are about to get uh, convicted as heck, but in the best way possible. It, it, it will be very encouraging and very uplifting, but girlfriend does not come to play. Um, <laughs> we just kind of basically cover the topic of motherhood, obviously, but specifically the culture of motherhood, especially in our online world that kind of loves to camaraderate is that a word? No, but go roll with okay. it. Loves to have camaraderie and community over commiserating the fact that like motherhood is hard, right? right. Which we all can agree that motherhood is hard. But I, I think a, a more eloquent way to say this is like mommy wine culture, mm-hmm. where you put motherhood down, you complain about it, and you you make fun of your children. That That is prevalent a lot in our society and especially online. And Abby is here to set the record straight and really come at it from a very biblical, holy, sanctified worldview um, and just convict us on how beautiful motherhood is. And yes, it's hard. Yes, it will change your life, but there is just goodness and it allows us to be closer to Jesus when we allow it to change us. And it, it, it I can just go on forever, but I will just stop because she <laughs> has such goodness to share on today's episode. Yes. So do not skip this one. If you have any desire to learn, to grow, to improve, to get a separate viewpoint, maybe if yeah. you don't necessarily know that you agree with this conversation, just stay tuned, tune in and listen as Abby shares her truth in such a powerful way. All right, let's talk about Pinterest. You know, that beloved site you spend hours upon hours on curating your dream home, closet, and wedding. Like, it's fun, right? But it's also more than just fun. Did you know that Pinterest can be an invaluable tool for your own business? Here's the deal. Pinterest is an extremely powerful search engine that you can leverage to get your brand and business out there. It's a way to reach new audiences that you wouldn't normally reach through other social media, which is why we wanted to shed light on this popular social platform and share a few reasons why you should be utilizing it now to exponentially grow your business and expand your audience. Like honestly, it is the number one traffic driver to my business. Yes. If you feel lost on where to start, don't worry. We have a whole pin your heart out freebie ready for you to dive into the marketing and help you start the process. So you can snag it at theheartuniversity.com forward slash Pinterest. Hey, 
Hey, hey, I'm Lindsay Roman. And I'm Evie McLeod. And we are family and legacy-focused serial entrepreneurs and the founders of The Heart University, a business education company with a mission to help you thrive in your business and life. Welcome to our Entrepreneur Cocktail Hour, where business and marketing strategies meet faith, real talk, and raw and life-changing conversations. At the end of the day, we are all in this together, figuring out how to navigate the ups and downs, the messy and the beautiful, and everything in between. This is a community where you can come as you are, get inspired, and walk away equipped to build a legacy-filled life. You're listening to the Heart & Hustle Podcast. Abby, welcome to the Heart & Hustle Podcast. We are beyond excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Oh man, we're stoked. We both we both adore you, your messaging, your social, your books, all the things. Um, so it's really fun to have you on, have a girl chat today. For those who maybe don't know you and aren't familiar with you, are you willing to share just a little bit about who you are and what you do and all of that so they can kind of have the, the foundation before we dive deep? Sure. Yeah. My name is Abby Halberstadt and I am, I have a podcast of my own and I always start it with happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian. And if you knew nothing else about me for pretty much any intents and purposes for kind of the foundational things that are the things that I spend the most time on in my life, those are, those are it. And everything else I do flows from devotion to God and devotion to my family and then my community outside of that. I mean, that sounds so altruistic, but you know, that's, that's the goal that we do everything as unto the Lord. And so I'm a homeschooling mom. I was homeschooled myself, the second generation homeschooler, um, and have a couple of side hustles that I do in the cracks of spare time. So people are like, how in the world do you have time for anything else? And really it's just seasons, you know, there are going to be seasons mm-hmm. during the summer when I can get most of a book written when we're not homeschooling, or there are going to be seasons we have a product launch and it's all hands on deck when our family's helping. Cause we have a, we have kind of an apparel and sticker company called Paint and Pros. My husband's very involved. Um, so we're really big fans of working together as a family and, um, maybe not going with the flow because you have to have systems in in every family, but definitely when you have a large amount of people to manage, but being willing to be flexible. I like the term rhythms a whole lot more than I like the term routines, if that tells you something Mm. about me. I am type B plus (laughs) at most. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. Oh, Oh, okay. We, I think, did you say this off air or on air? Probably off air. We have both read your book, uh, Emma's for Mama, and we are excited to read your new one. But that, uh, the conversation around Emma's for Mama, and I'm sure even, uh, what is your second book called? Hard is Hard not. Hard is not the same thing as bad. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I, they go so hand in hand. So I, I'm really excited today to talk about kind of how you challenge the belief that motherhood is martyrdom and giving up everything. And Mm. I, we both cannot just freaking (laughs) shout that from the rooftops enough. So I'm excited to dive in. Could you first off, just to start off this conversation, dive into what that means a little bit and and what you believe motherhood is instead of that, like martyrdom and a sacrifice or not a sacrifice. Well, yeah. Does that make sense? It is a sacrifice. I'm never going to say that you're not going to be sacrificing. I'm simply saying that... We are called to sacrifice as believers. So if, if you're a Bible-believing Christian listening to this and um, and this is something that you struggle with, then maybe you'll resonate with this more. But I think in general, even 
secular um, moms out there or agnostics or people that are seeking are going to have to probably, if they're being honest, say that there will be sacrifices regardless of the path that we find ourselves on. There is going to be some give and take. There's going to be hardship. And if everything is paved and smooth before us, it's very likely that we're not going to learn much from it, that we're not going to grow, that we're not going to mature. So when I see the narrative that motherhood is something that is stifling us, that it is stymieing our growth, I think that's actually an outright lie, that it's the opposite of what is true. Motherhood often for those who are willing to have eyes to see the opportunities is an avenue for more creativity, for being more flexible, for learning how to cope with a variety of situations that you don't have to when you don't have little humans that are relying on you. Yes, it limits your time. Yes, it forces you to be more creative and more resourceful, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And, Mm. um, And what greater influence, what greater investment could we possibly have, regardless of what the quote unquote product is that we're putting out into the world? Because I'm not saying that our children are products, absolutely not. But what greater investment could we make than in eternal souls? Um, And that's the only thing that is going to last. That's the only truly eternal impact that we have is on the other human beings that we touch. So when we're told in scripture to love God and love our neighbor, the closest neighbors that we're ever going to have are our spouses if we're married and our children if we have them. And so I think it's really dangerous to come from this mindset of kind of like, can we just get this over with so I can get back to my life? You may never get back to that life that you had before you were married and had children. And that in most cases is usually a very good thing because it means that you have expanded and grown and matured. And that's where we want to be, right? We don't want to stay yeah. in immaturity. So yeah, that's that's not a nutshell, but that is definitely some of my response <laughs> to that. I don't do so nutshells. Good. I <laughs> yeah, love, we it. love it. We're here for it. <laughs> I'm literally like vigorously nodding my head so <laughs> aggressively as you're talking, Abby. This is so good. Um, you emphasize a lot and you just nutshelled that <laughs> beautifully of like that that motherhood is serving and glorifying God in so many ways and in, in, in every aspect, pretty much. Would you be willing to kind of give us some tangible examples of what that may look like in your daily life with your kids? So someone who's maybe coming from the perspective of motherhood is, you know, so hard and, and martyrdom and I, I've lost myself and, you know, whatnot, they they can kind of see from your worldview and perspective on motherhood, what does that actively look like in a day-to-day? Like, how do you see that playing out, that it's beautiful, serving God uh, can be, you know, refining everything that you said, like some tangible examples of that? I think that I am so much better to art- at articulating my faith, so much more driven to scripture and to understanding Um, Mm -hmm. other people, I am so much more prone to be empathetic because of the ways that I have to use those skills as a mom. Um, Mm -hmm. So very practically speaking, the very first thing is going to be feeding your kid, right? When you have a baby, whether you adopt them or birth them from your own body, whether you bottle feed or breastfeed, you're going to be up at all hours of the night keeping this small human alive. And while that I remember very distinctly, I had my first at 23. So I've been a mom for almost 18 years. And um, I, I remember distinctly kind of this overwhelmed feeling of like, I wonder how fast I can get him to sleep through the night. Like, like when will I have 
you know, some, some normal sleep and, and man, how often does he need to eat? And, and I did nurse, um, all of my babies, including, I have a couple of sets of twins, so I've nursed them as well. So man, I know what it means. Like I, I talk about in heart is not the same thing as bad that we're talked that we are called to, um, pour out our bodies, pour out ourselves as a living sacrifice. And I'm like, man, the, mm-hmm. the tangible, the most concrete example of that is literally pouring milk from our bodies or from a bottle into our children's yeah. mouths. And so, um, and, and, and prioritizing their well-being, prioritizing their needs. So I will give you this example. As a 23-year-old mom, my goal was to get my children sleeping through the night as early as possible, my, my, my oldest, sleeping through the night as early as possible to... Yes, serve him and to feed him and everything, but it was kind of like, okay, how do I get back to normal? How do I, how do I get back to where things feel comfortable and less, um, like I'm constantly stretching and growing and learning new things? Cause, cause it is uncomfortable to be in those places where you don't feel confident or you've never been there before. So you're learning so much. The learning curve is so huge. And I will say now my, my youngest children are three and three. It's one of my sets of twins. And I fed them, I nursed them until they were two and three quarters, something like two and nine months, something like that. So for a long time, my body was not my own. And it still isn't. It's the Lord's. But my body, to some extent, was being given daily to my two toddlers. And my attitude in it was so different than it was mm-hmm. with my first. Not because... um you know, I was being so evil by wanting to to return to normalcy with my first or anything, but because as I've grown and the more children that I've had, the softer the heart that the Lord has given me toward their needs and their growth and what that means to give of myself to them. So that's just a really concrete example. Um, Mm -hmm. Throughout the day, we homeschool. So it's going to be, it's going to look like I think Sally Clarkson calls be, calls it um, being patient with my face, <laughs> like, yeah. like plastering that patient expression <laughs> on your face while your five-year-old, you know, desperately works so hard to sound out a three-letter word and you're just like, please spit it out, you know, <laughs> but it's such an opportunity to, um, to practice self-control, to, mm. to practice Kindness. I mean, the fruit, of the, the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are pretty much all going to be there while you're dealing with the everyday, mundane realities of keeping children alive, educating them, uh, making them feel seen and loved. And and then this is maybe less tangible, but I could give you some tangible examples. But I think that one thing I love about motherhood is it teaches me to study my children's hearts. It teaches me to learn their personalities. It teaches me to notice when they are struggling, even if it's really subtle. So one of my children walked through today and just kind of had a downcast expression and I immediately knew what it was about. And they were like Mm. a sheen of tears in her eyes. And it was honestly, to me, something a little bit silly. Like it, it, it was an easily fixed problem, but I had an opportunity to either say snap out of it and just get over it and move on, which wouldn't have been very kind. But sometimes it's tempting, right? We have other things going on and we're like, okay, this is not a big deal. But I've had a lot of practice in this. And while my personality can be a little snap out of it, let's go, let's just <laughs> let's just fix the problem. I was able to say, hey, I understand why you're frustrated, but we've got an easy solution to this and I'm going to help you and I'm going to come alongside you. And um, we do that every day with our kids, right? That's just mm-hmm. part of our jobs. I love that. I love that so much of this is focusing on mindset and it's it's if you are a believer like it's growing you closer to god like that's what motherhood does it it sanctifies us and it it 
forces us, honestly, to be more like Christ, but especially in if we choose to view it that way, it really then does grow us. What would you say though to, I feel like maybe some Christians say this, but especially the secular culture, whenever I think it's, it's more of like the mommy wine culture of when people commiserate and complain about motherhood for the purpose of camaraderie and like not feeling feel not alone. Yeah. To not feel alone, which has, you know, a, an okay purpose behind it, but it comes out I think as, it's well-intentioned by a lot of people. But it comes out as negative. And then when you uh, present this other side of really viewing it as a, a joy, I think the world would call it like toxic positivity of like, mm-hmm. oh, you're just being, you know, like good for, like you're not addressing, I guess, the the hard parts of it. What would you say to kind of like that worldview or that point of, of just like, oh, but it, we want to commiserate together. That's probably not how they would say it. They, we want to like, com, like it's important to make women not feel alone. Each other, to be a village, yeah. to support each other, to validate. Right. It, it, and I've actually, I actually addressed this. So I have a book called Hard is Not Same Thing is Bad. And I absolutely talk about the hard parts in there in great depth. Yeah. And I address exactly what you're talking about. And um, I had a mom tell me one time that by, quote, silencing women who struggle I was perpetuating a culture of toxic positivity that, um, and she went so far as to say, ended in um, like motherhood suicide rates going up. It was really a dramatic comment. Um, But the problem is we've got to be honest about our terms to, as you say, reframe your mindset and say, not, this isn't hard which is a lie. Mm-hmm. Motherhood is often hard and you will never hear me say that it isn't. Mm-hmm. But we've got to reframe that and say not, oh, everything's great. It's all glowy and fuzzy. The Hallmark pictures are totally accurate. My kids are <laughs> never dirty. They always obey, you know, like they sleep through the night just on, you know, drop of a hat. No, those things can all not be true. And yet motherhood can still be a good thing and it can still be something that we find joy in. And so when we're able to both acknowledge the hard but not wallow in it, to say to each other, man, I have been there, but let's not stay there. Onward Mm -hmm. and upward. How could we practically do that? How can I pray for you? Can I bring you a meal? There is so much more hope in can we swap babysitting? Can I bring you a meal? Can I pray for you? Let's meet at the park than there is. And yeah, I know this really stinks. Like it really stinks. Let like drink more wine and complain more. Um, So because one produces growth and the Mm -hmm. other keeps us stuck. And I think if we're honest, what we truly want is to be seen and then be encouraged because just Mm. seeing it doesn't change anything. Yeah. That's so good. What would you say in, in that conversation of, you know, what a lot of culture can perpetuate around motherhood, which is, it's so hard. You're not alone. It's so hard. You're not alone. It's so hard, which like you're saying is kind of the acknowledgement side without the encouragement. Um, What would you say in that is one of the biggest lies that you see society believing about motherhood and, and how would you address it or, or share encouragement around that? Well, and I do want to speak to that in this podcast, but I know we have limited time. So I will I will say kind of a shorter version, but I address this in the very last chapter of Heart is Not the Same Thing as Bad in Depth because some of the biggest voices 
in motherhood that are getting the most clout and the most followers and the most yes queens and all these responses <laughs> that because they do make people feel seen and they say that things yeah. like this is a no shame zone and this is a guilt free you're free to tell us anything you want you you can say you can scream about your kids you can curse about your kids here like no one's going to judge you i would say that the problem there is that we're we're ignoring and lying by omission about the fact that negativity and true toxicity, forget toxic, toxic positivity, but true negative toxicity is addictive and Mm. it is um, pervasive in our culture and it ruins our health and it steals our mental peace. And so this idea that you can despise motherhood, but still love your kids is really, really scary to me. This idea that you can have no love for the position that the Lord has placed you under, the position in which you find yourself, if you don't believe that God has put you there, but that you're just there, that you Mm -hmm. can just have absolute disgust for that position and hate everything about it, but not have that spill over into your kids, not have this be something that you're returning to constantly, that you need another hit of validation, that you, um, that your rage needs to be justified again. And I, I talk really openly and plainly in Ms. for Mama, my first book about my struggle with postpartum rage after um, my eighth kid, it was just kind of this bizarre experience of like, why am I angry all the time? Well, probably my hormones, you know, probably Mm -hmm. my lack of sleep, probably the amount of stuff on my plate and cortisol Mm -hmm. dysregulation and dopamine dysregulation. And you could have given it all of these scientific terms. And at the base root of it, I knew that my reactions and my choices were still sinful and that I was still responsible for them. And that's going to really send some moms through the roof because they're going to say, you don't understand my situation. You haven't been in my lived experience. How dare you say that something that I am doing is wrong rather than simply um, a result of my environment or my circumstances or my kids bullying Mm -hmm. me. I hear that a lot. So maybe that's a bunch of lies wrapped up in one, but I think we need to be honest about the effect that our negativity and our focus on the hard things without actually looking for a way to address them is affecting Mm -hmm. us personally. It just selfishly, like I don't want to drown as a mother. I want to thrive as a mother. And so even if all I'm concerned about, and it's not, I am called to be concerned about others, God first and then others second. Um, But even if I'm only concerned about my own success as a human being, I have to be honest about the fact that that hit of rage, that hit of negativity, that hit of validation and Mm -hmm. relatability doesn't ever pull me out of the pit. That's a big lie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's so, that's so good because that applies to any human in any mm-hmm. season Not of even life. Just motherhood. It's like, it's like if you are constantly focusing on the bad, the, the negative, the, negative the, the hard, and that is what you are feeding yourself in mm-hmm. your mind. And it is constantly focusing on like, well, my toddler, like, you know, flipped their, their bowl today. And I, there was a whole mess of soup on the, you know, whatever. And I had to go clean it up and it was on my hands and knees. Victim and like, blah, blah, blah. mentality. There's so much that is, that is your fuel. That is Mm -hmm. your energy in any season. But Mm -hmm. it's like when you shift that, the 
the literal life-changing power that comes from choosing, you know, to be like, oh, my toddler, you know, flipped their bowl and it is on the floor and I was on my hands and knees and it was that was not super fun. But you know what? I had food to put in front of my toddler mm-hmm. and I had a child who was like excitedly telling me a story and like they, that's how they flipped their bowl. And they were, they, we have this connection where they were telling me the story. It's this, the complete like reframing of that, that it will literally change your life. Mm. And it's, I think to me and Lindsay, and I'm sure you, Abby, it's so hard to see culture as a whole, and especially in motherhood, where it's like we're we're throwing like this gas on the fire of the negative focus mm. that I just see like entrapping humans and, and mm-hmm. mothers. And then it's covered with humor. And mm-hmm. It's covered with, it's covered with this, because I think this is truly is the intention of, mm-hmm. of almost every single person in this. It is to be like, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. most people are being like, oh yeah, I, I want these moms to be stuck in this pit. Like it's not the intention. Right. That's the devil's intention in my mind. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. the mom's intentions are to be like, I want you to feel less alone. I want you to feel seen. Mm-hmm. So it's well-intentioned, but the results in in my mind are so detrimental mm-hmm. and so like, oh, just it it's all encompassing to life, to your enjoyment of it, to your view of your kids. Like you're saying, Abby, it's like you can't sit there and hate what you're doing and find any joy in it, find, you know, any overflowing amounts of love for your kid. Obviously, you know, you can be like, this is really hard and today really sucked and still love your kid. But it's like yeah. the the continuation of like that rage culture or, you know, constantly feeling the need to communicate or express this constant, you know, dislike for what you're doing. It's just going to fuel more and more of those feelings of this sucks. This is hard. This Mm -hmm. isn't fun. Um, So that mindset shift. Hey, heart fam. Interrupting today's episode to share with you a powerful tool to monetize your content in your business. Memberful. Now, this amazing platform allows you to create a new source of income by turning your content into a membership business. Forget about chasing the hottest keywords and trends to capture SEO rankings or pleasing the social media algorithm. Focus instead on creating content that you are passionate about and that your audience wants to see. Memberful has everything you need to get your membership program up and running quickly with content gating, in-house newsletters, private podcasts, and so much more. They have so many incredible tools and resources and implementations to your workflow. It's amazing. You will have full control and ownership of your audience, your brand, your membership, and you will have access to a world-class support team who are ready to help you simplify your memberships and grow your revenue. One of the things we love about this brand is that they are passionate about your success and you'll always have access to a real human. Get started for free at memberful.com forward slash heart. That's memberful.com forward slash H-E-A-R-T. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. Y'all, the horror stories we have heard in our years of business is unmatched and a little terrifying. (laughs) Clients refusing to pay after you've delivered a service, clients demanding their retainer back after canceling on you last minute. The list goes on. Business shouldn't feel like you're walking on eggshells though. And yet that's how most of us feel when we first start our business. We're petrified to make a wrong move or have an unhappy client. Okay, but here's the truth. 
One of the first foundational steps of owning your own business should be protecting yourself legally with contracts. Yes, yes, even for friends and family. Contracts allowed us to walk in confidence as we grew our photography businesses. But also hiring a lawyer to create custom contracts for you is a pain in the butt and the wallet. And grabbing whatever free or cheap template online is often not enough protection. Yes. So we wanted to make this as easy and seamless for you as possible and give you the resources to make sure you have your butt protected. We have partnered with our favorite lawyer and attorney, Paige, from the legal page. She has not only created powerful contract templates, but her team is so present and ready to help figure out which ones you need for your business. You can stack her contracts in her shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation and rescheduling bundle, second shooter and associate contracts, and honestly, so much more. Just head to theheartcontracts.com for 10% off. That's theheartcontracts.com. Abby, I have a uh, a bit of a spicy tea-filled question that is <laughs> not anywhere on our list. And I'm you do not have to answer this if you don't want to. But I have seen on social media lately, in the last couple of months, I don't know what it is. I have seen multiple like reels or posts from uh, moms or families or even kids of large families, anywhere from like five and upward kids. And the comment sections have Mm. left me in tears Mm. over so many people being like, either I was from a large family or just an opinion without coming from a large family of them being like, there is no way that you can adequately love each of those children there. You need to regulate your family to, you know, three and under, four and under, or two and under, because Mm -hmm. you will damage your children by having more because you can't possibly love them and give more of them. And this is like not necessarily in our topic, but I just felt multiple times as we've been talking that you might have something to share with that and that that might be something powerful for you to answer to if you have a desire to. Speaking to that mindset that like more kids equals less love, less attention, and therefore like damaged humans. Yeah, I am... One thing I find interesting is the inconsistency in the rhetoric of people who are saying that you really can't speak into other people's lived experience um, unless it comes to certain topics, you know, you can, <laughs> you're, so you're not supposed to have an opinion about my lifestyle. You're not supposed to um, judge me. You're not, you know, um, it's tolerance and acceptance and inclusivity until it's not. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that large family dynamics definitely fall into the not accepted and not included category for for a pretty decent portion of society. Um, I think one of the things that you're seeing is a shift toward child-free mentality, partially because going back to the very beginning of this podcast where we're talking about this idea of um, the the constant conversation about what kids take from you. So mm-hmm. if a child or having multiple children or having, quote, more than the, the standard that someone arbitrarily decides that you're supposed to have <laughs> takes your quality of life away, then that child, whether it's a specific child or just the idea of children in general, kind of becomes persona non grata or even a combative mm-hmm idea. Mm. Like, how dare they? They're leeches. I don't want that because I would be unfulfilled. And then you've got people taking that personal, almost animosity toward the idea of having their life interrupted or whatever, and then extrapolating it onto someone else's completely different lived experience that they don't have 
any background in. Now, I know that you were talking about some of the people saying, I came from a large family, it wasn't done well, and therefore no one should have a large family. You could also immediately flip that over and say, I came from a family where I was the only child and I felt so lonely and my parents Mm -hmm. still didn't pay any attention to me. And I wish Mm -hmm. everybody would have more kids because it's not fair to only children. Like, you know, like we can't It's arbitrary. Yeah, we can't take our growing up experience and then take that peanut butter and spread it across all the bread Mm -hmm. and say, everybody has to do things this way. But Mm -hmm. most of the comments, and I've seen the post that you're talking about, I know exactly. I could write a comment for you, except that I don't (laughs) generally, you know, I try to stay away from that kind of language. So, um, so it's not shocking to me at this point, but it is still sad because I do think that it stems from a culture that has moved far away from an appreciation of children in general that has a very low esteem for human life in many ways that is very self-focused, whose goal is very narcissistic, um, sometimes nihilistic. You know, if, if, if the argument for people who are pro-life who say to someone who doesn't think that a baby should be allowed to be born because they're an inconvenience to the mother or whatever the situation is, they say, well, well, what about you? Your your mother had you, like, wouldn't you have wanted a chance to live? I think in the past, most people would have said, well, yeah, but, and now I'm seeing more and more a generation of kids that are like, no, I actually wish I'd ever been born. How dare my parents have given me birth? And that's, that's nihilism. That's like, everything is meaningless. I don't have any purpose in life. So if that's your view of life, it makes sense that you would see people that you don't understand at all, that seem like Mm -hmm. anathema to you, that are just so different than the life that you've grown up with, that you can't relate at all. And you would attack that. You would say like, oh, that can't possibly work. I actually saw a little clip that someone sent me in a DM the other day. And it was two very young women and neither one of them had children. And by, by, by very young, I would say 25 and under. Neither one of them had children, but they were talking about the idea of how many they would like to have. And one said, I think I want 10. Um, And the other said, no way, man. And she goes, no, I think 10 would be really fun. She goes, you, there is no way that you could possibly give enough attention to 10 children. And the girl came back and said, I have a lot of love to give. I have love to go around. I I would, I would, I would love to give my love to lots of children. And she said, nope, Mm. four is the max, which I thought, how arbitrary, how utterly like... You haven't taken anyone's personality into consideration. You haven't taken their job situation into consideration. And I will speak to that too. We also, um, someone asked me a similar question to this in my, I do something called What Do You Want to Know Wednesday, which is a weekly Q&A. So I did that yesterday and someone said, do you spend, do you think you spend enough time with your children? I don't and I only have two, which I thought it was an interesting thing that she was kind of just acknowledging I don't spend enough time with my children. So I didn't, yeah. I don't know her life circumstance. So I'm not claiming to speak to that specifically. But most of the time when I'm getting questions like that specifically, it's from women who have full-time jobs and children mm-hmm. in daycare. And they have a hard time not layering their personal experience over someone yeah. who has a completely different experience. So yeah. there are a lot of hours in the day. And when you are spending them with your children, for the vast majority of them, 
for the ma- for the vast majority of the days of the week, um, it's very possible to have meaningful interactions both individually and as a group over and over and over again throughout the day, whether it's in homeschooling or in baking together or in reading aloud to them or doing laundry together or just mm-hmm. watching them do some funny little trick or show you a drawing or, I mean, just all the things that kids do, but they're doing it all day, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> not only do my children not feel like too many kids to me to for me to love. I don't think of them as a herd like culture Mm -hmm. thinks that I do. I think of them as individuals and it doesn't even seem like there's that many of them, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because I think when it's, when you are in it and you're devoted to it and this is your actual life, um, while you can relate to the fact that somebody else doesn't get it and they may make the poor choice of being really rude about it, it's it's not going to have a material effect on your life. You're just going to go on living and loving your kids. You know, I mean, Mm, that's what you got to do. That is I so love good. that. I I want to ask for anybody that's listening to this and they're like, Abby, I hear you. I'm getting convicted right now. And maybe uh, this person that's listening is like, okay, I in the past have kind of led myself into the mommy wine culture of complaining and commiserating and, and in an entertaining, you know, camaraderie way. But they hear you and they're like, okay, how do I, how do I kind of change my mindset? Uh, in how, like, if it, like maybe they're saying, I love my kids, but I also can, like, register the fact of, like, I genuinely am tired. Yeah. I am, I'm Same. in a season right where here. it's a lot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but my question is, what would you say to that person, whether it's mental advice or, like, mindset advice or practical advice of how to actively, like, either change their mindset or maybe change what they're doing? Like, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on what you would say to that person? So my first suggestion would be to limit your exposure to the people who are encouraging you to stay stuck in the whirlpool of negativity in motherhood. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to take proactive steps. So, so I'll give you an example that has nothing to do with motherhood. Um, there's someone that I was having contact with that was a source of stress in my life. And it that's okay. We have stress people, stressful people in our lives. We don't just block them out necessarily. But I needed to take a break from communication with this person for a while. And so I did. And then I found myself asking my husband, what did this person say? And then I was like, wait, I, I'm taking a prayerful break so that I can realign my mind about this person to have a better attitude to pray for them, to not feel outraged by them, right? So why mm-hmm. am I taking the break and then going back and being like, so mm-hmm. so what did they say? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's yeah. that idea of being addicted to outrage, that idea of being addicted to feeling justified in our disdain mm-hmm. for something. So those accounts, and so I, I, I said, never mind. I don't want to know. I chose this break and I am choosing to pray for this person and have a better attitude about them in the Lord's strength. I'm just going to keep going with that. Don't tell me. Like that was <laughs> <laughs> of me to ask, you know? So I think we have to be willing to give up. Not all the fun. I love fun. I love humor. I, I, I use humor all the time. But I think it's, we sometimes lose sight of the ability to use humor to encourage 
instead of it yes. to do it at other people's expense, especially at our yeah. children's expense. And yeah. so I'm not saying throw out the humor. I'm not saying if you are a person with a dry sense of humor or like sarcasm, you have to be really careful with sarcasm, but it, it, like sarcasm or whatever, or irony that you're like, oh, just change your personality, become a robot. No, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. However, if you could look at a list of people that you follow, kind of that are your top 10 and be honest with yourself and say, does this person push me down into self-pity or do they lift me up into hope? Because I truly believe that the truth is hope. There is always hope, Mm. even when the situation is really genuinely dire. And I know I've been there and I know lots of people are there in motherhood in another situation. So that would be my very first practical suggestion. My second, and this is going to sound really self-aggrandizing, but would be to get MS for Mama or Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood because, mm-hmm. because I actually wrote it exactly to what you're talking about. I wrote yeah. it as a way of, of climbing out of that pit because this was what I got asked. I told you I do that Q&A every single week. I got asked these questions every single week. Desperate mothers were saying like, how do I get out of this? How do I change yeah. my mindset? What can I practically do to help? And so I filled it with practical practical helps, with scripture, with anecdotes of the ways that the Lord has had to grow me in these areas. And so um, if it's not that book, find another that will help. But I really think that sometimes we need a roadmap that yeah. we don't need to be kind of wandering in the desert of motherhood because we've taken away all of our relatability partners. <laughs> and now we yeah. we need to find somebody that can come alongside us and say, it's hard, but you can do it. We can do this mm-hmm. together. Yeah. I'll just hop on the sales train for your books. Uh, I haven't read <laughs> Hard is the Same Thing as Bad, but I really liked in, in for, Ims for Mama, and I'm sure you do the same thing, obviously, uh, in the other one. But I liked how at the end of each chapter, there are, yes, there's verses, but then there's like questions to ask yourself. Like, almost to reflect and actually, hey, like, let's make a change. Let's not just read a book and be like, oh, that was great. That was nice. Close the book, set it on your bookshelf and walk away. Right, right. So I really appreciate that you wrote it in a way that encourages action and encourages to like actually make this a lifestyle change. And one thing that I included at the end of that, those chapters and at the end of Hearts Not Saying Things Bad, because you're right, I used the exact format because I got so much feedback from MS for Mama that it was so helpful for people to actually, and I say this in the intro of MS for Mama or at the end of the first chapter, I'm like, hey, we're moms. We read these books. Sometimes the information goes in one ear and out the other and we want to do better, but like the toddler was screaming halfway through the chapter and we can't remember what we read. So I actually wrote this recap called The Narrative at the end of the chapter. And it basically is bullet points, like what it looks like to kind of indulge in that relatability above all else culture that keeps us stuck and what it looks like to strive for excellence, not in ourselves because we're so great or anything like that, but because we are called to that and because Christ enables us to achieve it. Mm. Oh my gosh, so good. I feel like, Abby, for anyone who's listening, as like one of the final questions, for anyone who's listening to this, who is maybe, I don't know why I have this this thought and it could be so wrong, but I feel like there might be a couple of moms listening to this who maybe started crying listening to this. It's like, it's hitting them. Mm-hmm. It's hitting them deep. Um, maybe it's giving them hope. Maybe it's it's convicting. Maybe it's both. What would you say to the mom on this podcast who is just feeling what you are saying on such a deep level, do you have any like thoughts or words for them of encouragement, of of wisdom, of something? So one thing that I see that I feel like is a really, oh goodness, not helpful trend in social media or books 
is this idea that you're doing great no matter what um, mm-hmm. as a mom. And, and you're like, Abby, that was not what I was hoping for. I was hoping you were going to be a perfect. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I promise. I um, love this. So I really don't think we are served by this idea of being like, you exist as a mother and therefore you are a superstar. I don't think we do this in many other scenarios. We don't say to the owner of a restaurant, your restaurant is open today. You haven't served any food and the food you served yesterday was really bad, but, but, you're, but you're doing amazing. You know, Your like, Michelin star level. <laughs> yes, yes. Because one, it's, it's not honest. Mm-hmm. And to be utterly frank, honesty is much more helpful than false positivity in that yeah. direction, right? Um, yeah. Flattery doesn't serve us. So if it's a mom that's kind of starting to be like, oh, I feel really uncomfortable or um, I don't know how to get out of this, I want to encourage you with this. Maybe you're not doing your absolute best. I know that I don't every single day. But the really good news, and maybe you don't feel like you're enough and maybe you don't feel worthy of this calling and everybody's telling you are, you're worthy, you're enough, you're the best. And that almost feels like they're heaping more rocks on your head because you don't feel worthy and you don't feel enough and you feel like you're failing every single day. And yet they've told you you are. So so now what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. where do I go with this? I want to encourage you that the Lord is enough, that he is worthy of being worshiped, that you are not a mother to your children by mistake that there is always room for growth, that there are women out there that can come alongside you as community. I prayed for years for the community that I have now, and I didn't have it for a really long time, but I had the Lord, and He was still teaching me, and I have my family and my children to grow me up in Him as He kind of peeled back layers of my selfishness and my um, tendency to shirk or be lazy in certain areas. But that wasn't my be-all, end-all. The Lord gave these children to me on purpose and he has a plan for them and their future that is good and he has a plan for mine and he has a plan for yours. There is hope. And so if Mm -hmm. you feel like you're stuck, you don't have to stay stuck. If you feel like you're failing, you don't have to keep failing. If you feel like you don't have community, there are like-minded women out there who want to serve their families well and love the Lord and be excellent mothers, not in the sense of everybody wears shiny you know, hair and perfect clothes and looks pretty, but in the sense that the the genuine um, goal is loving their children and loving the Lord well, loving their children and um, sending out humans into the world who are kind and work hard and are respectful, you know? And so I, I don't think that this is a message of being lost. I think mm. you can be found you know, and, and there are resources out there. And I I think we're, we're giving them some of them now. And it sounds like you guys are doing a great job of reaching your readers with very practical resources that they need, but um, hang in there because baby steps eventually produce miles and miles of growth. 
So good. So good. (laughs) Well, this is a perfect segue. Speaking of resources, I know obviously you're an author, which probably means you're a reader. We selfishly, well, we love reading. So we selfishly on every single podcast love to ask our guests, what is the most favorite book that you've read recently? So do you have any? It can be a topic. I was going to say, it can be on this topic. It can be on a totally different topic. Um, let's see. What's one that I would just, I said, so I'm like, oh no, it has to be universal. It has to be. I'm in the middle of reading Becoming Elizabeth and I really like it. That has nothing to do with anything except for Ooh. that she is such a, an interesting person, an inspirational person. So yeah, I recommend we will that. take it. Yeah. Yeah. And Mama Bear Apologetics is always one that I think is a great resource for moms who are looking to engage the culture and say, like, how do I teach my children a... um, a biblical hermeneutic, but also teach them how to think critically and how to compare everything with a uh, linear way of thinking rather than emotional way of thinking. So that's another really Mm -hmm. good one. I love it. I feel like Mama Bear Apologetics and your books are like go like are like bread and butter they're so, just go together perfectly um, they do have some oh, they do they're perfect though they're both good i love it so much and i'm like, very excited to read your latest book yes Thank speaking you. of abby i know we asked for like book recommendations now is the time because clearly we are we are big fans of you and your message and, and your books where can our listeners find you where can they read your books um remind us of the titles of them yeah. you know follow along on instagram all the things where they can connect here I go. Um, so my first book is called Emma's for Mama, Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood. And you can find it pretty much anywhere that books are sold. I also sell them on my website, emmasformama.net, if you want a signed copy. My second book is called Heart is Not the Same Thing as Bad. It came out this fall. Um, by the grace of God, both became bestsellers by word of mouth and yeah. just Ooh. doing really well, um, which kind of blew my mind because I knew I was going to step on some toes. But the two words that people use almost uncannily consistently are they are encouraging and convicting, convicting and encouraged. I was, I was encouraged, but I was also convicted or flipping around over and over again. A lot of reviews say that. And I I love that. That would definitely be what my goal was. Mm -hmm. And you can find heart is not the same thing as bad at Hobby Lobby, which is really fun. And also Walmart and Sam's recently, as well as any of the other online places where you might want to find them. I also have a podcast same name as the rest of my blog work, which is called M is for Mama. And I um, started about a year ago. It'll be in January and have to have do a podcast every single week. I don't think I missed a single week. And it's growing and reaching lots of people, but it's it's just very practical. It's Mama. because I get access to all of these questions from moms, I'm able to say, oh, this is the heartbeat of moms and I will speak directly to that. So it's the kind of thing where I don't drink coffee personally, but it's like sitting down for a hot drink with a friend who maybe Mm. is five or 10 years ahead of you and has gotten a chance to practice some of these things and say, here's what works. Here's what totally failed. Here's what works for me, but here's the principle that we're applying because you're not supposed to live your life like me or anybody else. You're supposed to live your life as unto the Lord. So podcast, I highly, it's probably my favorite way of communicating. And I'm also uh, microblogging on social media, primarily on Instagram. I'm at m.is.4.mama. There's a lot of dots in there because people are confused <laughs> by Well, you're by consistent the with the... Emma's for Mama. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah <laughs> easy much. to find. Yep. Awesome. Oh, Abby, it. thank you so much for being here, for introducing yourself to our audience. Mm-hmm. I know that they're going to love this episode as much as we did. And so you powerful. just you just spewed so much truth and wisdom mm-hmm. that people need to hear. So thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.